Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac Wayne heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Recorded live. Uh, praise the Lord. God bless you. Praise the Lord. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Well, I'm doing well. Yourself? Same to you. I see you've been on about five minutes. I, I know I, I can look at the board. I just hadn't called in yet. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> So I had to start earlier. Sometimes it takes me so long to get on, but I just get on a little earlier and then just wait and make sure I get on. I see, I see. How's the weather down there? Is it cool down there? It's, it, it, it was uh, up in the 50s today, but tonight it's, it's cold and weird. It's kind of cold, but it's cold at night. Okay. We've been pretty, we've been having a nice week. The whole week been nice, but no That's snow. Rain correct. This morning, sir. No snow. Correct. Oh no, no, no. We ain't, we ain't ready for that yet. <laughs> the, the people that got that big money, they get that snow first. <laughs> okay. Okay. Up, up north, up north, the they get the up north. They get all that big snow. Uh, up north, where we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's for we sure. The biggest snow that we ever heard is about 12 inches. Is what? How much? It's 12 inches. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we, got, well, we had a... It, it, they, they didn't know what to do. It just shut everything down. Right. They're not used to it. Mm-mm. No. Oh no! Two inches, uh, two inches, or one inch. They, you don't go to school. My God. Oh no. But up in the mount, up in the mountains, they get it all right. Oh yeah, yeah, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how about Christmas? Uh, Christmas is uh, fine. You know, uh, part of my family came over. Not everybody. We had, we didn't plan anything. Okay. Yeah, we had service and came home. Yes, uh, I talked to a friend of mine, Ella Preston. He's from Cleveland. What's his name? Preston. S- spell it, please. Preston? Uh, uh, Edsel? Uh, huh? Did you say Edsel? Uh, from Preston, P. Stella, P. He's from Cleveland. He said he'd know you. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, say his name again, please. I'm uh, Preston. Princeton? Preston. Preston. Mm, I'm not sure who that is. Yeah, he said, uh, he said, uh, 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 he said he, uh, he's from Cleveland. Okay. He said he, he said, uh, 
even knowing why uh, it's, uh, see when you're talking there's a lot of uh, like static and I I just can't pick you up uh, uh, somebody else is on the call too correct yes sir praise the Lord Praise the Lord. Lord. Praise the Lord. Go to Google. How are you today? We do our fine, you. Good, good. Again, Elder Dumas, who who did you say uh, is in Cleveland? Now, Elder Preston, Preston, he hmm. lived in Tennessee. He lived in Knoxville. Okay. And but he okay. he's from Cleveland. I see. Uh, and uh, he said uh, he he. Uh, He's been knowing you for a while. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm, mm. Right, everybody in Cleveland, uh, you know, about, about like uh, my home, everybody know everybody. Just about everybody. Uh, oh, we're, we're, we're almost like that. We may have heard, we may have uh, heard about each other, but I don't think I know everybody in particular. Uh, thank God for uh, uh, Elder Charlton on the, Call that's coming on the call right now. I think I think that's Elder Charlton. Praise, Praise the Lord. Lord. So we thank the Lord for um everyone that's on the call tonight. Um somebody else is coming on the call. I think that's Prophet Rosin Collender, I think. Yes, sir. God bless you. How are you today? Bless you. I'm well. How are you? Fine. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. Um, so we're kind of calling in, uh, everyone, and I appreciate uh, everybody coming on. Um, this is uh, um, the last... This is the last call of the year. And as I look at the date, 1229, uh, we've been on, uh, I was instructed three years ago on, the tw- I think, the 29th, which at that time was a Friday, to uh, start the call. And uh, uh, we thank God for his faithfulness, and I thank God for life. Every morning I get up, and I, I thank God that I've still got my limbs. Um, I can move around on my own, and uh, I thank God for life and purpose. So we appreciate, amen, uh, all that are on the call. Uh, Elder Eliza from uh, Des Moines is on the call. Praise and the Lord. Praise the Lord. And uh, Prophet Yvette uh, Daniels is on the call from uh, Georgia. God bless you, oh my God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, we are gathered here tonight on the Apostles' Roundtable, and uh, it's our intention to, Elder Dumas is on the call, Apostle Shanks is on the call. Our intention uh, tonight uh, uh, is to hear some uh, uh, reflections, some words um, from one of God's servants. And uh, it's a roundtable, and we're, we're going to attempt to uh, go through this call uh, until about um, 
uh, till about nine o'clock. I'm putting a time limit on it, I think. But we'll see what happens. Uh, God bless you, Doctor Shaw. God bless you. And I thank, thank God for I thank God for strength, and I know you're very glad about uh, the strength of the Lord. Amen. Yes, uh, I so, am. Amen. So, Doctor Shaw, would you open up with prayer, please? Okay. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the day that you have given us and the days to come, the days to pass. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for calling us out of darkness, bringing us into a marvelous light. We ask that you bless this day, Lord, bless this phone call. Bless each and every person and their families, Lord, as they continue to build the kingdom. We thank you, Lord, as our insight is that we're here to please you, to magnify you, to glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you for all things. Amen. Amen. And to God be the glory. Um, I'm going to be releasing this uh, teleconference microphone over to someone to uh, share and give uh, insight for uh, all of you who are uh, leaders uh, in your various capacities. Uh, A lot of times, you know, a a year of start, and then, you know, by the end of the year, you've met people, uh, gotten to know other people, and, uh, you know, God's a a marvelous uh, master. Uh, He knows uh, everything, and uh, so, beginning of this year, I did not know this uh, person, and tonight we're going to allow Prophecy Vet um, to uh, kind of go forth in, on the round table and share. And hopefully, at some point in time, you know, you will have the opportunity for uh, uh, comments or, or, or whatever. Um, but uh, this is the end of the year um, round table. So uh, to God be the glory, we welcome prophecy that uh, Daniel, let's re- as they say, let's receive it by saying amen. 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 So go ahead, amen. Praise the Lord. Um, I ask the Lord to decrease me as he increases and allow me to share what he has given me um, concerning this word. Um, I, I really grappled with this message when when he first gave it to me because it wasn't, I, I guess it wasn't on the magnitude that I had anticipated it to be, but this was with the way that I thought it should be was not the way that God wanted it to be. Sometimes he gives us some of the most profound messages and something that, that is so simple and yet we're trying to make it more complicated than what it is. And that just tied into the actual message itself. Um, I'll come from First Kings starting at chapter 19, and I'll be um, paying attention to verses 1 through 7, and I'll read those aloud and, and share the insights that um, God gave me concerning those particular scriptures, because um, I know we've all heard um, what most people call the juniper tree experience, where Elijah wanted to burn the juniper tree, and we talk about how um, the Jezebel spirit, you know, drove him into the wilderness. But when I, I look back at this particular passage, and God said it, it was much more than just 
um, the threat from Jezebel that drove him into the wilderness. It was a lot more. And and I saw it from a leadership perspective, and God was saying that, you know, if I, if I had to give this any topic, it would be getting weary during the battle when we have our juniper tree experiences, and that's what Elijah had. And when I started looking at this scenario, I, I know that, you know, the death threat from Jezebel, because she did operate in the spirit of witchcraft, um, did have an influence on him being driven into the wilderness. But that was not the only thing that was going on. If we go back and, and look at the context of what was happening at that time, Elijah, we know that he had performed his greatest feat by defeating several hundred prophets, false prophets of Baal, um, in a spectacular show of God's glory and power and demonstration. But yet he felt depressed, fell into a deep depression and, and drove himself to a point where, as he says in these scriptures that I'm getting ready to read, he felt like he wanted to die. But it was not just because of what Jezebel said. It was because of the other things that he also had going on as a leader at that time. And I'm going to start at verse 1 of First Kings chapter 19, and I'll um, share the insight that God gave me concerning this. Starting at verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, that an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And um, this was one of those messages that, I, I knew what I wanted to say, but I wanted to make sure that I said it in in the way that God intended for me to say it without leaving anything out. Because I was, for some reason, this particular message just baffled me of why God kept putting my attention to this. And then I, I thought about it. It's Elijah felt like he was by himself when it came to fighting up against powers and principalities of Jezebel and Ahab. He felt like he was by himself. And because he felt like he was by himself, he felt like the weight of what God had purposed for Israel to have done was on his own shoulders. And that's why he felt like, in verse 4, he said, 
It is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. He felt like on a certain level that he had failed in the mission that he was supposed to have accomplished as a leader, as a follower of the Lord. And he felt like he had done no better because here he was in a situation where he had just had his biggest victory, and yet Jezebel was still pulling the strings, but he felt like he was doing it by himself. He felt like he was alone. And I know in, pre- in, in the previous scriptures in um, chapter 17, it, it would appear that he should have known in, in chapter 18 that he was not alone. But we remember when he, when he um, contended against the false prophets of Baal, he was by himself. And it felt like it seemed like at that time that there was no one there to help him. Even though we do know that Obadiah had hidden a hundred of God's prophets away, but yet Elijah was fighting by himself, and he felt like there was no one else that felt the way he did, and there was no one else that was there who had the same passion and the same zeal that he did, and that's why he felt like that as far as his, in his capacity, what he felt like he could do, he felt like he had already done all he could by himself. And he felt like because he had not completely gotten rid of Jezebel and Ahab, he felt like on a certain level that he had failed. And um, y'all, um, y'all got to excuse me for a minute. My son is, is being rebellious at this moment. And I need to mute my phone and address this right quick. Y'all, please excuse me. Yeah, if anybody remembers having uh, small children, we understand. Amen. My son, excuse me, my son was doing this on purpose because he was angry. Uh, Something that just took place a few minutes ago, and he was deciding to be mean by having the TV up excessively loud in the other room. That was his way of expressing that he was angry with me. <sighs> I'm sorry about that. He almost made me lose my train of thought. Um, what I was saying was Elijah at this particular time felt like he had not completed his mission of getting rid of Jezebel and Ahab because we know at this time that um, a lot of the kings that had been on the throne were not pleasing in God's eyes. And because of the passion that Elijah had, it was his desire to fulfill God's purpose. And he felt like he had not quite done everything that he should have done. And that's why he started to feel like a failure. Um, lots of times the adversary start, even after we've had a good victory, the adversary will start to bring back other things on our minds, um, our personal issues, um, unresolved issues in, in other places to, to remind us that we haven't quite done everything that, that we felt like should have been done at that moment. And because the enemy likes to play on our minds a lot, even the message from Jezebel, um, it wasn't so much what she said, it was just the mind play of what she said. It was like the implication was um, we're still here and we're still going to keep on doing evil and there's nothing you can do about it. And he felt like, you know, you would think that after him making a show of the false prophets that 
that would have changed their minds, but yet it still didn't. So he felt like, you know, it seems like I'm the only one that's here that wants to do right. It seems like everybody else has turned their backs on the Lord. And he truly felt overwhelmed in his zeal to do what God had called him to do. And just like when Jesus walked this earth, um, there was just a brief moment when he felt the weight of the the burden of what he had to do when he told the Lord to let this cup pass from me. It was just at that moment when he it seems like he, he realized the magnitude of what he really had to do at that moment. And just in that brief fleshly moment, he felt overwhelmed. And it said he even cried tears of blood because he was just that overwhelmed. And this is kind of like how Elijah felt in this moment. He feels like he's been putting his all in, just like a lot of us. We feel like we've done our all. We've put our all in. We've been pouring out and pouring out. And it seems like even though we see victories here and there, we still feel like it's not enough. But if that's just us looking at it from our own eyes. We're not looking at it from the perspective that God sees it. We we feel like nobody else cares about prayer ministries. That's how I felt for a while because lots of times when when leaders would call people to come out to pray, nobody would come out. But yet every time you turn around, somebody wants prayer. And it, it started to make me feel like, well, nobody cares about intercessory prayer. And for a while there, I just I actually felt like nobody really cared about that. But I ran into... Um, some organizations where people actually do care about intercession. And, and it's just thanks to God leading me to discover these groups, it, it caused me to get back up and it, and it helped to encourage me to keep on going because I really started to get in a low place. And I think a lot of leaders get in that position sometimes, especially when you're in in hard territories where principality powers are really fighting against you to keep you from doing the kingdom assignment that God has given you. Um, Lots of times you will get severe opposition from many directions. And when all these things keep hitting at you at once, at a certain point, if you feel like you're doing it by yourself, you will get tired. And that's what Elijah had gotten to in his walk with God. He had gotten tired and he felt like he was doing it by himself and we know that he felt like this because when we go a little bit further into the same chapter, around about chapter um, 14, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 14 of the same chapter, chapter 19, and verse 14, and this is Elijah speaking in verse 14 of the same chapter, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So right here in this verse, we see that Elijah feels like he is alone. He feels like that there's no one else that has the same zeal that he has. And he feels like there's a tremendous weight on his shoulders, and that's why he he had just basically given up. And a lot of leaders feel like that. And we when we see 
churches that close up and we wonder, you know, what happened. The, the church was thriving one minute, and next thing you know, the, the leader comes out and says that they're getting ready to close the doors. But a lot of leaders get weary like that when they feel like they're only pushing by themselves. They feel like the members don't care. Um, the ministers are bickering with, with each other. They're trying. They're so busy competing. They're not even trying to trying to do the work that they're supposed to do because they're so busy competing. So they just they just give up, and they just feel like they're by themselves. But we know that when Elijah was was sitting up under that juniper tree. It was not only a, a point where he was giving up, it was also a resting point. And he didn't even realize at that time that that had to happen because that was a resting place for him. And how we know it was a resting place for him, because it says that the angels came and fed him and told him to arise and eat in verse 5. And then... He ate, and the angel told him again to get up. The angel of the Lord came the second time and touched him. So he got strengthened, he got quickened from the Lord, and he told him to get up because the journey is too great. He was letting him know, I know you feel overwhelmed, but I'm coming now to give you strength to let you know that, yes, it it is a great work. Yes, it is a lot on your shoulders, but, yes, I am going to give you the strength to go on to do what you need to do. And we know in verse 8, it says that he went on the strength of that same food for 40 days and 40 nights. So we know that God had given him the strength to keep on going. And when he went out there for 40 days and 40 nights, he received his answer from God, not in the way that he thought he was going to receive it, that he received it in a whisper. But sometimes we're looking for a big dramatic thing to happen, and sometimes the answer is just so simple. And I just ran across um, a post that um, that uh, um, Apostle Griffin had posted that I ran across. My news feed on Facebook is kind of backwards, so sometimes I get stuff from two days ago mixed up with what happened today. And I saw one that really stood out, and it was saying, um, maturity comes from learning to rest in your test. And I think Elijah had a an episode of maturity when he was sitting up under that juniper tree, when he felt like he was alone. He felt like in so many ways, even though he had done many things, he felt like he was a failure like his forefathers. That, I, that at that point, he was getting prepared for ma- the maturity to do the rest of the work that God had called him to do. So I feel like the juniper tree was his test to rest in so that he could become mature enough to finish the work that God had for him. And we know that he still had a great work to do because Jezebel and Ahab still had to be dealt with. And in the rest of um, chapter 19, and um, around about verse 15 through 18, God reassures Elijah that he is not alone, and he lets him know that he is not alone. And so he lets him know, don't get, get it twisted. You're not by yourself. 
I know you want me to answer in a certain way, but sometimes it's just that simple. Sometimes it's not really the big things. It's the little things that I need you to do that are still completing the great work. Even when you think that it's not worth it to some people or people don't appreciate it, it's still completing that great work. So keep on doing the little things that I have you doing because they do make up the great work that I have for you. And he gave him the rest of the instructions of how he was going to completely get rid of Jezebel and Ahab. So he let him know he was not alone. And he let him know that his passion and zeal for him was not going to be in vain. Even though he felt like he had that he had done all he could do and it still wasn't enough and that's why he was ready to die. God was letting him know that you still have more work to do. Yes, what you have done is enough, but I'm also letting you know that I'm giving you the strength to do even more. So while he was sitting up under that juniper tree and getting fed by the angel of the Lord, he was getting a chance to finally not see it from his own understanding, but to see it from God's perspective on the work that he had to do. Yes, the magnitude of the work that Elijah had to do was great. But he found out that he had what it took to do the work. And God showed him the blueprint of what was needed for the rest of his journey. And that's why he told him in verse in verse 7 to arise and eat because the journey is too great. Because if, if Elijah was to do it in his own strength and in his own might, it would have been too great. But we know that the word says, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord, that this work is going to be accomplished. And if we remember from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, we are reminded to not get weary during the battle, to not get weary in well-doing, because in due season we shall reap. And I know that that's, if that's easy to say out of our mouths, but it's a, it's a lot more difficult to live out when you see things coming at you from all sides. So, yes, leaders do need to be strengthened, and lots of times people don't realize that, that sometimes, yes, leaders do need to take a rest. Leaders do need to sit down and reevaluate and readjust things to get their strength back. No, there's nothing wrong with with taking a rest sometimes to step back because sometimes we're going forward, we're going forward, we're going forward, and we start to lose our fuel. And I don't know if you um, know the historical significance of the juniper tree. Um, the juniper tree can also be used for fuel. So in a sense... Elijah had ran out of spiritual gas, and while he was getting a chance up under that juniper tree to sit down and rest, he got a chance to get refueled spiritually so he could go forth and finish the work that he thought he was not capable of doing. So, yes, we do have our juniper tree moments, and sometimes when um, some of my – some of my spiritual friends, they'll they'll sense that something's going on with me, and I'll just tell them I'm having the juniper tree moment, and I just let them know that that just means that I'm, I, I, you know, I'm 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 
staying back for a while, you're not hearing from me, but that doesn't mean that I'm defeated. It just means that I'm regrouping and I'm refueling. So when I come back out, I'm going to come back out stronger. So when I tell people I had a juniper tree moment, that meant that meant that I had a, a moment where I had to step back and see it from God's perspective. And then when I come back out, I'm going to come back out stronger. Because as God told Elijah, the journey is too great. So lots of times we do have to take a rest in the test so that we can learn how to mature and see it from God's perspective and realize that we're not doing it in our own might. We're not doing it by ourselves. Because if it had not been for God working through Elijah, he would not have been able to do anything against those false prophets. So it's just like Elijah had to be reminded that you're not doing this by yourself like you thought you were because God has always been there for him the entire time. And he had to remember that God and, and his host of angels have always been there. So he's never been alone. But thanks to that moment under the juniper tree, he got a chance to refuel and regroup so he could go back out instead of just giving up and saying, I can't do anymore. So as leaders, we need to remind ourselves that even when we get to a point where we feel like nobody cares or um, whatever I'm doing is just not worth it, they don't appreciate it, um, sometimes we do have to step back sometimes and just and just let God fuel us back up. Um, God, why did I start doing this in the beginning? Um, sometimes we really do have to ask God to show us our first love to remind us of why we do the things we do. And he will bring it back to our remembrance to help encourage and, and minister to us and refuel us. Sometimes we do have to step back and say, God, how come it feels like it's only me that cares about this or only me that has to do this? And, yes, he will guide us and direct us and show us that we're not by ourselves. Yes, he will connect us with people that have the same passion and have the same zeal. So it's okay as leaders. Um, we're not we're not devil proof. We're not weary proof. But the thing is, is to not stay there. That once we are there, let's get our fuel that we need so we can get back up. Because yes, the journey is too great for some of us. But because of who lives within us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And that's why we are going to be able to get back up from the juniper tree and finish the work that God has for us. And that's the word that God had for me to share concerning the juniper tree experience that has been rough for a lot of us, even just this year alone. Um, the many deaths that I've personally seen. Um, one of my spiritual mentors passed this year. Um, a, 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 a long-time devoted student of mine passed this year. Um, uh, classmates and just other people and other spiritual leaders that I knew just just you know went on to glory this year. And just a host of other things that have happened this year and just going back and forth with different ministry things. And we do get tired, but 
there's always a moment of refueling when God sits us down sometimes and gives us the fuel that we need. So sometimes what looks once looks like a defeat. I'm not going to say that Elijah felt defeated by Jezebel because it wasn't just what she said. It's just that what she said was just the last straw for him. Just like sometimes we're in a bunch of different situations, and it's not so much that last thing that happened was the big thing that caused us to say, I'm just going to shut this down for a few months and, you know, see where God takes me. It's the combination of things that causes us to do that sometimes. But we have to be reminded that while we're sitting there, we need to get what we need to get from God because it's not the wilderness is not a place of permanent status. It's just a place of rest. It's not a place of permanent status. So even when we get there, we have to remember that it's just a, a fuel stop point so that we can get back up again. Amen. And that's all I had to share today, that when you have your juniper tree experience, fill up your tank and keep on going. That was very, very good, uh, Prophetess. I mean, uh, uh, very good reflections on this uh, uh, subject uh, that all of us can uh, uh, glean from. And so... Um, Thank you again, and we want some comments. Uh, as we said last week, let's cross-pollinate. Let us um, uh, take what we've heard from the woman of God, and uh, let's cross-pollinate. Let's let's share. Let's comment. So who, who wants to go ahead first, please? Well, I'll go. Uh, praise the Lord. Apostle, how are you? Praise the Lord. Who, who, who we have? Pastor Cheryl. Oh, Pastor Cheryl. Praise, praise the Lord. Um, I didn't get in at the at the very beginning, but I was really uh, moved, I guess, by the the information about the juniper tree. I never, I never. Uh, studied that, never sought it out. And so that really blessed me about the whole um, refueling thing. I've always told my family that God doesn't put sickness on me, but he uses that time while I'm down. And I've learned to just kind of, as the evangelist, I, I hope I'm saying right, evangelist. Um, but as she was teaching, it, it just uh, reminded me that every time that I'm down, I, I come back stronger. By the time I get up, I'm stronger. And so now I will use that phrase, my juniper time, my juniper meeting time or whatever. Yes, I, I I I caught that also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that got to me also. <laughs> I don't want to cut you off. Who else? Uh, please just let's just flow, please. Praise the Lord. This is Ella Dumas. Um, I got a lot out of of it. So, and his place, you know, his place. Uh, 
a spiritual increase in our life that sometimes when we think that we're down, uh, we're not down uh, the way that we think we are, but but when we come up, when we come out, we come out more plural, more stronger, more wiser, uh, more uh, strength. So that's how we get our strength through uh, that when we um, uh, feel like that nobody cares, nobody discerns. Uh, that's when our strongest point. But to us, it's our weakened points. But to the spiritual part, it's our stronger points. So many times that many of us have been through that uh, shadow of life, they make us feel that that we're not getting anywhere. Just sometimes you feel it's like giving up. Uh, but when you catch that hope, and as Elijah realized that, um, and you know that the battle wasn't his. The battle belongs to the Lord's. So when we look, and when people criticize us, say all the evil thing about us, we say the battle is not mine. The battle is the Lord's. So we have a lot to to um, to gain. To gain, we gain a lot. And I thank God for the lesson tonight, and that's what I got out of it. Uh, to suffer, to endure, to hold in our peace, uh, to help those that say they love us and those that spite for you to say all the evil thing about us, we still have to love them. But that's you know, it's 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 all in the word, you know. So we feel that we are down, that we just beat down. But at the end we get the victory. We get the victory. So I thank God for the victory tonight, uh, to being with uh, with peoples that we can talk about the Word of God. And that's what my thought was tonight. Thank you, Elder. Mm-hmm. Who else? Amen. This, this is Eliza. Amen. I want to say bless you, woman of God. Thank God for the word. And what I got out of the word tonight, uh, she said a lot of things, and there was a couple of things that really uh, caught my attention. I've been <laughs> reading, studying on Paul and other scripture, but I've been reading about Paul, and there was a couple of things she said toward the end um, that God would put us in the company of like-minded people, amen, that we're not alone. Well, first and foremost, we know God is with us all the time. But, you know, there's, when you're in the company of like-minded people, amen, there's strength, amen, there's unity, there's touching and agreeing. And one of the scriptures that came to my mind, actually I had been studying in um, Acts and in Timothy, but one of the scriptures that I just read on yesterday uh, was in um, Acts chapter 18, and I didn't know what it started with so much here, but in, in the 10th verse, well, anyway, you know how uh, Paul had oppositions, and, you know, and, and well, in the 6th verse, he was telling them, you know, okay, I spoke the word. If you don't want to hear it, you know, he said, your blood be on your own head. But in verse 10, 
uh, in verse 9 and 10, and then, then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. And this is what God told Paul, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. So that was the scripture that came to me when she was talking about God would put you in the company of like-minded people. And then the other thing that flagged my attention uh, when she was talking about, uh, you know, how you feel like you're alone in opposition and God, you know, just dropped in my spirit, you know. Uh, we, we, When we going through, when it seems like, you know, everybody is against us and nobody received us or this or that. And I understand the resting part. I thank God for that. I got that. Sometimes we just have to rest in the Lord. But when these things come, we have to realize that they are not tech. We can't take it personal. We can't take uh, ministry personal. We have to realize the enemy is not really attacking us. It's the word. It's the word of God. It's the God that in us that the enemy is fighting so hard. He don't want the word to come forth. He don't want people to be delivered. He don't want people to be set free. So, of course, he's going to fight. You know, he's going to, if you're ministering, whatever you're doing, you know, he might say, you know, nobody's going to receive that or, or the people faces might even say that or, or whatever. So we just have to realize, amen, who we are in God. And that's what God gave me the scripture in Second Timothy, it says, uh, I believe it was, wherefore, I, uh, verse uh, Second Timothy 1 and 11, it says, wherefore, I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentile, but the which cause I also suffer these things. So, so we're, we're suffering because we're doing the will of God. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know who I have believed in. As long as we know who we serve and whatever opposition come, whatever Chester trial come, whatever the enemy throws at us, we just have to realize, okay, God, this is your battle, okay? And when opposition comes, then let us know, okay, I must be doing the will of God. Otherwise, the enemy wouldn't be fighting so hard. I say, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against this day. Hold fast the form of sound word which thou hast heard of me, and in faith and in love which is in Christ Jesus. So God gave me those two scriptures, amen, when the woman of God was preaching, and it gave some clarity, woman of God, on the things that I have been studying. So I thank God for the, for the word tonight. Thank you, Eliza. Who else? Yes, um, this is Tisa. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, I was going to say something about what uh, Elder Dumas has said when he was saying that, um, I don't remember exactly, but when he was saying when we are weak, you know, the Bible tells us that um, when we're weak, that's when God is strong in us. So even though our flesh may seem weak, um, that's God strengthening us, uh, uh, you know, and it's kind of like what, what she was preaching also, saying also that that's where we get our strength. Sometimes we think we're weak in the flesh and that, you know, we're, that we can't make it and all that. God is really strengthening us, and that's the same as with, when we go through our trials and tribulations, it comes to make us stronger. So um, uh, it's kind of like on that scripture in Second Corinthians uh, 12, 3, 9 through 11. And it, 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 I came in on the middle of the teaching, so I'm hoping I'm not, you know, I, I'm hoping I'm on the same page with everybody else, but um, this is what I came in on. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. Any, amen. Anyone else? Uh, yes. Praise the Lord, everybody. Dr. Shelley. God bless you. Um, I was listening. Everybody is uh, seems to be on spot of everything that uh, leaders go through. That leaders have to go through something. And, uh, yes, it's true. A lot of times you do feel like you're alone, doing it alone and all of that. But uh, in the resting place, which is short for restoration, I think, uh, this is a great time for us when we are resting, and and I can attest to that uh, from what I've just gone through these last couple days. But what I, I noticed, which was greatly appreciated, was during my resting period, and I'm still resting, that um, this is the best time God has to speak to us. And... It's assurance, and it does um, give you that assurance that he's not going to leave you nor forsake you, and it's to assure you who you are in him and who he is and um, what he has in store for us and where we're supposed to go and what we have to do, and it's, it's a great time to listen and learn and gather, and, you know, it's it's like... It's it's kind of like he's filling the basket with more fruit, more berries, and this is what I want you to do with this, and this is what I want you to do with that, and it's that's why I call it restoration because it's like going back, getting your basket filled, and you know, um, yeah, sometimes we get to the lowest point and feel like all, you know, what has broken loose and and what's happening, and I I don't deserve to. Um, be in this position because I don't feel I qualify and then God has to reassure us that he would not have called us if we had not been qualified. It's not us that qualify ourselves. It's God who qualifies us in life because he pulled us out. He predestined this life for us in the first place. And he just wants us to finish the course, finish the race. We, we're we're in a great journey and yeah, it may seem heavy, like, you know, even Jesus had to say, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. And sometimes we have to get to that point. And, and it was funny, I was going through this, and for those who don't know, I, I fell ill. My blood pressure reached over 200, which oh caused my. me to pass. Yeah, the highest was at a 228 over 119 something. Jeez. But, um uh, my blood pressure, I'm known to have high blood pressure. And uh, some would call it stress, and I would think it's an assignment. I, I, You know, I don't get stressed, but my body may feel stressed. And anyway, um, sometimes, you know, in our minds, we think we can do more than. But God said he won't put no more on you than you can handle. Uh, than you can handle. And so, you know, at any rate, the journey that we are on, the journey that I was on had put me to, well, you know, the course I was taking had come to this conclusion a couple of days ago that just kind of took me off my feet. And I knew it was God telling me, okay, you need to just chill out for a bit. You know, let's regroup, get your body together. And uh, I needed to rest, really. Uh, but in doing so, and they did all these total tests on me of everything I can think of, 
a blood test, stress test, my heart and all of that, the ratings and all of that, because it kept going off the chart and I couldn't understand how to bring it down. And ultimately, um, the doctor comes back and says, the one thing about it, though, we noticed was that your heart had thickened. And I said, well, okay, is thickened, what does that mean? I mean, is that a good thing or a bad thing? He said, well, you know, if you work out enough and people who who work out and, 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 and try to build up, it's like your heart is building itself up to handle all this high blood pressure. So in one sense, it's a good thing that your heart is strong enough to handle all that you've been through. And, and you know, that's all that you've been through is a phrase, a, fa- a phrase that I have heard for a long time. I don't, I, people speak to me and they say, oh, you've been through so much. Oh, all that you've been. And I, it becomes a common thing that I hear all the time. And, you know, sometimes you, you're like, well, I, I, yes, that's true. I know, I know, I know. But my body is telling me, my heart was telling me, and the doctor was saying, your heart is being prepared for all that you have gone through, but all that you will go through, too. And someone had spoken to me and before I even got into the hospital because I stayed a couple of days, but had had brought this to me and said, this is just the beginning. All that you have gone through, you haven't gone through nothing yet. You're fixing to go through something, and it's fixing to happen very soon. That's what they just told me the day before. Uh, you, you know, don't know what that is, and just letting you know that there's more to come. And I was weary at hearing that because I thought that I had been through enough. And so we don't know how much the Lord is going to put us through. But what we do know is that he chose us to go through it. And we do know he's not going to leave us or forsake us. And we do know that we do know we have to believe and we have to have faith so that we could believe. And we have to know who he is and we have to know who I am. And that's something the Lord had kept telling me over and over again because I had passed out um, less than five minutes, but I had passed out. But when I woke up, the Lord was ministering to me while I was in the hospital. The Lord was ministering to me and, and reassuring me, you know, I had been praying for faith. The Lord give me faith. The Lord give me faith. I need more faith, you know, um, it helped me, helped me in my unbelief, helped me believe. I need to totally be assured. I need to tell. I, I felt that it wasn't good enough. I wasn't there yet. And yet I was being placed in a position that I should be there yet. But I wasn't quite there yet. And I told him, I need to see it. I need to feel it. I, I want to believe it. I want to take it all in. And, um, yeah, and I think that's what all this was about. So he answered my prayers. But, um so, you know, it all just kind of what you're talking about tonight just kind of blends in. And I, I believe, I totally believe rest is good. That's all I have to say. <laughs> just, believe, just believe. Amen. And Amen. Me. I'm going to add, um, I, I had it in my notes. I didn't share it with you all, but um, I wanted to add um, Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah in chapter 40, Verse twenty nine through thirty one. Um, it just it really tied in about um why Elijah was able to go back and finish the work that God had for him. 
Um, I'll, I'll, I'll back back up and start at 28 where it says, Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And I just wanted to leave that scripture with you all as a source of encouragement that when we wait upon the Lord, when we get refueled, we're able to go back out there and keep on ticking and live to fight another day. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Uh, 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 Dr. Shaw was talking um, about the Lord, you know, how uh, a heart had been prepared to take the pressure that she was going through with. Um, it brought my mind back. Uh, I, I got sick, very sick, and I went to High Point Hospital, emergency room, and they run tests, they run tests. So the doctor came in and said, uh, uh, so you had a heart attack. Mm, wow. He said, uh, you had a heart attack. He said, uh, uh, he said, uh, and, but, uh, for some reason, uh, the nurse, she was standing there and, uh, and I was saying, thank you, Lord. I'll just say, Thank you, Lord. I just said, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And uh, so the nurse come back. She come back in when she, after the doctor went out. And she looked at me, and she said, where were your mind when that doctor told you that you had a heart attack? said, I never see the person calm as you was when a doctor t- telling you that you done had a heart attack. He said, she said, your mind wasn't on on earth. She said, the way you were looking, said, your mind was far away. But praise God, my mind was on heaven. I was mm-hmm. thinking about the goodness of God, how God have took care of me. You know, he didn't, you know, I wasn't afraid. And when they, when they finished with the test and everything, the doctor come back and told me you didn't have a heart attack. It was the muscles and nerves around your heart were put pressure on your heart. But he told me, so you did not have a heart attack. But when we turn everything over to God, leave it to him, I'm telling you, God will fix it. He will fix it without a shallow doubt. Mm-hmm. Amen. So I, I, wanted, I wanted to share and say I was waiting to um, say that as I heard um, Prophet Daniel um, talking concerning Elijah, Elijah, and it just came to me about the spirit of isolation. And we have to be very careful about um, being in an isolated place because that's one of the tools that uh, the spirit of Jezebel uh, uses to isolate you 
And uh, she was very accurate that he was, uh, he felt that he was uh, alone. That was one of his issues. And uh, the enemy um, uh, attempted to isolate him. He actually said he's ready to die. It's amazing that uh, this was probably his lowest, scripture reports his lowest point for us to see. And yet uh, the greater glory of God is getting be revealed uh, in his life through uh, anointing a successor, you know, um, uh, just obeying God, um, and, uh, of course, being caught up in the fiery chariot and (laughs) being taken to heaven. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times in the religious church, we've heard a lot of phraseologies, you know, a lot of uh, words uh, that are not scripture, but uh, supposedly point to truths. And uh, one of them is, is uh, you know, failures, you know, not final or whatever. But um, he was there in supposedly a de- defeated place if he had stayed there. And uh, uh, the angel had to bring uh, bread. And, and, of course, that bread, the source was from, uh, the source was from heaven which is the word of God. And a lot of times when you're uh, isolated, it's, it's the word of God that is going to uh, feed you and nurture you and, and send you forth. Uh, others, uh, go ahead. we got about 10 more minutes. And so um, uh, who else wants to uh, step in and, and comment? Uh, this is uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. D. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, I'll go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm just, I was looking at the story from the perspective of the fact that God didn't chide Elijah for being where he was. He simply asked him why he was there. Um, just thinking about sometimes how fear can lead to depression, discouragement, despair, all of the things that Elijah encountered on his journey. But the question that the Lord asked him was, why are you under this juniper tree? When everything that God provided for him under that juniper tree, he could have provided for him in the same place where the enemy had threatened his life. And sometimes we're on the run. We're, you know, trying to get away from a situation or from circumstances that cause us discomfort or even fear, whatever the case may be. But Wherever we are, God is able to minister to us in that place. He's bigger than the opposition. He's bigger than the threats of the enemy. And I love the fact that God just showed him, even in the place where he was not sent, that he could still sustain him, restore him, make provision for him, and put him back on his journey. Very good, very good. Uh, Denise? Uh, uh, I was just thinking, and um, Prophetess Daniel, when she brought the scripture of Isaiah, I was already thinking about how in that scripture, when he was under the juniper tree, that everybody's time to go through is a, a little bit different. So just like God's time is not our time, uh, what it takes for you to go through, uh, it may not be for me. But when I look at uh, 
Kings when she was reading the scripture. The angel gave him some comfort food, and he woke up. It was some comfort food. I mean, you know, we go to a restaurant, we get some bread and some butter, maybe some lemon water. Gave him some comfort food there. But then he let him lay down again, and then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, and then he was fed again, and then when he was fed again, uh, he was ready for the journey. So sometimes it may take a little bit more for somebody else than it would take for the other. So we just have to consider um, you know, um, one another, you know, everybody is, like you said, not at the same maturity level. So we have to have patience with, uh, one another. Amen. 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 And, uh, I I was just thinking that how much do you need, uh, to go along with the elder to me that how much do you need? Do you need little or do you need a lot? And whatever whatever your need is, Jesus is enough to meet that need, whether it be a lot or whether it be little. And uh, he, he will supply and provide and carry you through your journey. Amen. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Well, we uh, thank the Lord for uh, prophecy and uh, sharing uh, that. Uh, good to hear from everybody. Uh, this was very uh, resourceful, uh, very edifying, great, um, uh, great source of. Uh, scripture for uh, us uh, to glean from and uh, even when we get off the call I'm quite sure ah technology and uh, even when we get off the call I'm sure people will be uh, meditating and thinking about uh, what she has come and uh, shared one uh, uh, truth that she kept talking about is we're not alone. And uh, certainly we know that uh, God is with us, but there's also other people that are supportive and uh, you might not know it. They're praying about you, thinking about you, and uh, willing and desiring to encourage you. And so um, appreciate it, uh, Prophet Yvette, for uh, what you brought to the table, the round table tonight. Thank God even for you all. This is the end of the year. We pray that everybody had a great um, uh, holiday Christmas. As Dr. Shaw said, she was in the um, she's in the hospital. Uh, the Lord brought her out, I think, yesterday. And um, we appreciate, amen, that. And um, hopefully everyone, uh, I'm sure, will have a great uh, new year. And uh, just allow God to be God and uh, continue to pray uh, for each other, love each other, forgive each other, and uh, just be there for others. Remember, um, God has not blessed you for you. He's blessed you for his purpose, and he's blessed you to be a blessing to others. Uh, So um, go forth and do uh, uh, the work of the king in Jesus' name. God bless you, everybody. Have a good night. Amen.
Good night. Good night. Thank you for being on the call.
Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac Wayne heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.